Welcome to LLP, the Lawyer Life podcast, where the personal, professional, and sometimes political intersect. Each week, we cover a topic to help ourselves and other lawyers navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. On today's episode, we start our book club. We're talking about Tim Grover's work, Relentless, from good to great to unstoppable. We're asking ourselves, what does it mean to be an unstoppable lawyer? And are we coolers, closers, or cleaners? I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Hello, hello, hello. I'd love to sing back, but I don't do singing. It's a musical podcast today for a few reasons. Hooray. Would you like to hear the gift that I've created for you for our book club series? Please. Are you ready? I'm ready. Book club. Book club. Huh? That is, you always surprise me. That is not what I was expecting at all. I will be totally candid. Not what I was book expecting. Club. <laughs> okay, that's yeah, good. Book club. I love it. it. Uh, I spent some time with my daughter's cat keyboard, and I know that your kids have the same one. Wow. And uh, wrote, I composed and performed that very catchy song. Oh, wow. That's so great. We'll have to add that to the show notes. Yeah, everybody visit my non-website. Um, anyway, it's re- and it's also musical today. I know it's our first book club episode, but we love to bring together different types of works and arts um, because we are uh, going to talk about a book called Relentless, which instantly got a song stuck in my head by the <laughs> good people of the Arkells from my hometown of Hamilton, Ontario. They have a new album out called Rally Cry, and the, the, the first single is called Relentless, wildly catchy. And I'm going to be just hitting you with it instead of singing it with myself like I always do and ruin things. Uh, here you go. Right there. It's yeah. so good. I can't believe you've done a, a high degree of preparation for There's our There's a lot of production program. value. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm deeply impressed. Yeah, I'm deeply impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. you know, putting in the work. And that's what this book is about. What, what made us want to read this book? Well, strangely, this book was given to me by my husband for my birthday. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's about a basketball coach, the guy who, I, I guess a coach is not right. He's sort of a trainer to the top echelon of basketball. So he helps them really deal with the thorniest of thorny problems for top level professional athletes. And he focuses ex- throughout the book on the mental game. And this is an interesting uh, topic of interest to me because I'm writing about it in my blog in part. And in part, I'm writing about it in the blog because of the ideas in this book. And this guy uh, has has coached, whatever, consulted with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like the most successful basketball players to ever uh, exist, at least modern era people. We'll avoid the debates about best player ever, everybody, okay? We'll avoid those debates. Save it for a sports podcast. Well, and I wouldn't even be able to participate in that debate. It would be a very boring debate because I'm not really a basketball fan, which is why it's kind of funny that uh, that I got this book. However, I am very, very interested in coaching, training, getting to the next level. Obviously, that's the topic of this podcast. So it fits. And so what does Grover drive us towards here with the book? I know he has a few different theories and, uh, you know, some very clear um sets of recommendations for how you can be a, you know, high achieving person. Uh, But in general, what did you take away? Maybe we can start there. You know, I'm always interested in people who are doing what they are meant to be doing or feel like they are, whether, you know, it doesn't have to be any sort of 
bigger thing than going to work every day and feeling fulfilled by what you're doing. And this is the best thing you could be spending your time on. Um, and I think in this book, he's talking about these amazing players. Yes, they're very talented, but they also get up in the morning and put in the work, as you said, at the top of this podcast, I was really stunned by the stories that he tells about how they basically step off the court after winning a championship and they're in the gym the next morning for three hours. You know, they don't really rest on their laurels. And he really talks about that as being a differentiator between the top of the pack and the people on the bench. And I think in law, there's an analogy here. And I want to kind of talk through it, but recognizing that, um, you know, there's a little bit of, it's a little fraught to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm following. He breaks everybody, all the players out into three types of people. Coolers, closers, and cleaners. And -hmm. I thought that was interesting because effectively, I mean, the Michael Jordan type is the cleaner, as you can probably expect. And the cooler... I think the funny thing is like off the top, it seems like being a cleaner... They're weird. The the, the terminology surprised me. Let me say that. Because I would be like, it seems like MJ's a closer, but he's actually a cleaner, which is the top echelon that you can reach in his kind of philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, like he, I'll give you a couple of quotes from the book. He says, you know, a cooler can have an amazing game, closers can have an amazing season, and cleaners have amazing careers. So cleaners are kind of, in his view, these people with this sustained high um, level of performance that they're just driven to deliver. Um, Because they're so... Exactly. I challenge anyone listening to this to not have that song in their head after this podcast. Um, You know, here's another one. Coolers worry about the competition and how they measure up. Closers study the competition and plan their attack based on the opponent. Cleaners make the competition study them. They don't care who they're facing. They know they can handle anyone. Um, This is useful. What I like about the book is that he's talking about how do you know what to direct your energy to kind of. And then once you've decided to direct it that way, how do you make sure that you're the, you know, the absolute best you can be? That's an interesting note about like, what should you be focusing on? What should you be driving your uh, attention to? I I, I know, you know, we chatted last, last night about the book too. And um, the, the idea of like, if you're not, if basketball isn't your game, why are you playing basketball? Like, you know, you have to find the thing that allows you to channel all of this energy and passion and time, uh, dedication into the thing that actually you're kind of set up to succeed at. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he, and again, this has a little bit of an asterisk on it, but he does say, you know, if you're always on the bench, is basketball the right thing for you? You know, if you're on the bench in the NBA, I would say that's good. good. So, you know, his perspective is very high. Uh, You know, he's focusing on the top of the top. But I thought it was interesting because I said in an earlier podcast and in the first blog series, I went through that where I was kind of the equivalent of a person in my own mind on the bench, feeling like I'm never going to be Michael Jordan at this. This is not my thing. I'm not meant to be doing this type of work. It's I'm never going to be uh, the best. It's, it doesn't bring out the best in me. Um, and I'm constantly trying to figure out what is that, what is that, um, every day that brings out the best. It makes me want to get up in the morning and just practice, practice, practice and hit the gym, the equivalent. I mean, I'm 
you know, we've talked before about the importance of hitting the gym to a good law practice, but that's not what I mean here. It's more a, a broader focus on upping your performance. And what's what I think is something we have to explore more as lawyers is how do we get ourselves in the mental game? How do we make sure our mental game is is where it needs to be to do what we have to do? And professional athletes do that as a matter of course. And it's very like no one doubts that Deidre Dion talked about that on our other podcast where we interviewed her. She said, you know, the mental game is as much as important, if not more than the physical training. So um, reading this book, I think, okay, well, how do we, why is it still perceived as kind of flaky for lawyers to work on their mental game or that's somehow a distraction from the real business of reading cases and putting arguments together um, when it, you know, professional athletes don't, see it that way. Yeah. And I think as well, what's interesting is like when we're drawing the comparisons between, you know, the highest performing basketball players in the world and, um, you know, being a lawyer is the question is what is the goal for us versus what is their goal? Right. And I know, and I know the book, uh, basically, so basically in, in the book, he says that the word relentless is used in sports to describe the most intense competitors and achievers imaginable, those who stop at nothing to get the end result. In sports, being relentless is measured by victories and trophies and championship and rings. In real life, being relentless is a state of mind that can give you the strength to achieve, to survive, to overcome, to be strong when others are not. The ability to be relentless in is, all, in, is in all of us. So what I, what I'm, I suppose I'm saying here is, it's very clear when you're an NBA player, your goal is to win a championship ring. Done. Easy, simple, whatever. And maybe some individual goals that you want to hit as well. We have to level set on what our goal is. And so this is the interesting thing about the philosophy and how we can apply it is if your goal is to be, I suppose, the you know what we would maybe say the equivalent to that championship ring sort of player is, is maybe you look at a type of job, a place to work, you know, these, the, the typical marker of like, that's my goal and sure, be relentless. And by the way, I, I have been not doing this enough because I've been saying relent- <laughs> relentless all the time, but you look at your goal and you can be relentless toward that. But also your goal might be, I want to be a, you know, I think, and this is obviously more on the side of what we talk about being a whole person uh, and certainly enjoying the work I do, but then also making sure I get involved in my community and with my family uh, and, you know, maybe have some uh, activities of interest myself. Maybe I want to play music too or whatever. So, um, and you can be relentless in that with that as your goal. So I think it's easy to fall into the, um, you know, when we're reading this book and we're trying to learn from it, seeing, you know, Kobe Bryant never leaves the gym and thinking, okay, that means I can never leave the office. That's, I, I, I'm, I don't take it that way. What I take it as you look at your goal and you put in the work to achieve that certain thing. And that isn't always, um, you know, the, the, the obvious, um, always working, always reading, you know, always, you know, trying to chase business or whatever it is that, um, it's seeming your profession, uh, qualifies as true success, that championship ring. One of the cool things about this book that I I took away is that all of them had kind of a ritual of how they would act before a playoff game and when they would interact with their family and um, how they go to the dressing room. And um, I think that's something we can learn from as lawyers when you're going into a difficult situation, whether it's a, a tough negotiation or a courtroom situation. Um, it's, it's very, it's like a playoff game, you know, treat it as that 
I saw on Twitter someone putting that you need to have your song that you play as you're heading into court. That's funny. Um, what would your song? Yeah, totally. Discuss that before. This is probably super nerdy, but I even I sometimes, if I know I'm having a big day, whether it is a negotiation or just like a full day of work, I I sometimes get myself as kind of that same feeling I have when I used to play competitive hockey and I was stepping onto the ice like that, like, okay, it's, it's go time. Now I'm, you know, I'm focused, I'm functioning at this like next level that I couldn't necessarily replicate every day, but this is a, this is a day I need to do it and staying locked into that. I think that that is something that is really important to channel. Um, but it is something that needs to be used, I would say on special occasions, uh, <laughs> because otherwise, uh, I think that can lead to burnout. Um, if you're always trying to function at that, you know, that, that highest level, um, and highest level, you know, co- constant mm-hmm. focus and maybe, um, not taking the breaks you should and not eating as you should and not spending time with the people you should and all that, that, that will catch up with you at some point. Um, and it's an interesting point you make about, you know, the whole life is, um, I suppose, and I think that there's, you know, some indication of this in the book, um, the cleaners, so these, again, that that upper echelon, that Michael Jordan type figure, there is sacrifice to that, right? When you are so dedicated to the, that one thing that you're choosing to do and you're working harder than everybody to be, to be the best at and all those things, um, some other folks are going to look at you a bit differently, can't necessarily see you or see what you're trying to achieve in the same way. And you're sacrificing time and, and energy in other places. Um, my thoughts on on that are a couple, a couple of thoughts. And I had these a little bit before reading the book, but the book has given me an interesting take on it too. Or he, he, Tim Grover has a different take. Um, one of the things he said that I, I think is really helpful is he says that you have to be working on the goal that you need to be working on that's specific to you. It doesn't matter if other people don't share that goal or think it's important or, you know, the interesting thing about being a professional basketball player is most people would assume that what you're working on is important, right? People would say, oh, you're in the NBA. That's important. So if you are eating well and treating your body like the, you know, the key to your profession that it is, that makes sense. I think you know, I've heard Tom Brady interviewed before as well. And he talks about, he's sort of famous for having this very, very rigid diet and exercise regime, but he's successful year after year, after year, after year. And yet people still kind of talk about it as, Oh, Tom Brady, he's so, uh, he's so crazy about his diet, but I, I admire that. <clears throat> That's what he's supposed to be doing. And I think in law, uh, it, you know, people have their own take on what's important and everyone has their own take. And I think that we, we just have to find what works for us. And, uh, you know, for me, I do think that, that some of this stuff like diet exercise, we've talked about it before, but, you know, not watching TV, not reading trashy magazines. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, junk inputs into my life that I function better without, uh, on a day-to-day basis. So it's just, I think getting out of the fear that other people will think your your routines are over the top is helpful. And I wanted to also say, I like your routine about the getting into the uh, the zone. And he does speak about that in this book. Do you have a theme song to do that? Or is it just... Uh, man, I'm going to seem like I'm just so in for our Kells right now. And it's funny that it, it came up the same episode. 
Um, but they have a song called Deadlines, which is from one of their earlier albums. And it's literally it, like the chorus is we've got deadlines to meet. <laughs> Wow. But it, it, it really, it's such a good song. And it's, uh, it, yeah, it amps me up. Uh, so that, oh, it's so embarrassing. I can't believe it's publicly. Why is but that embarrassing? I think it's I great. Because I don't know. Because it's, it's one of those current. things, it is like a personal process. So it's not one that I've ever exposed to people before. So anyway, yeah, that's the song. Do you have one? I would love to, I was just thinking what would be a funny one. I was just thinking of the final countdown by Europe, which you probably don't even know. I know it. And you, I know it not, not only because of the song, but did, have you watched Arrested Development? I have, but I didn't. Job, I don't know the, you, yeah. know, you know, Michael's yeah. brother, Job, who's the magician. I know very He, he always well. does his routines to like season. final countdown. Oh, okay. Whenever he's doing a magic show. <laughs> so he shares that. He shares that. Okay. So it's song. not a first. I'm <laughs> not the first Joe. person to think of it. It's not me. Um, you know, I, it's funny because you have the Arkells for, for yours. And we, we talk on this podcast about how you're the millennial and I'm the, uh, the old Gen Xer. Um, there's, there are definitely songs that I get. Do you play uh, your hip hop song on a gramophone? Pretty much. Yeah. My disc man and my, uh, Phones that Take have like these foamy, foamy things that go over my head. <laughs> That's how I listen to my music. Um, so I pop into my Walkman, my uh, Sweet Child of Mine tape. <laughs> Your mini disc player. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, for me, it's for whatever reason, I don't know why. And I was thinking about it actually today, but um, I listen to a lot of The Offspring when I really need to, I find that it takes you from zero to 60 fairly quickly, just whether or not you, it's no specific song. There's a great album they have called Ignition. It's sort of an earlier one that a lot of people didn't know about before they kind of hit the mainstream. And in Calgary, uh, when I, I went to my undergrad in Calgary, and it was kind of big snowboard and ski music at the time. And so anyway, that's for me, it's associated with a time and place. I think that's, it, it's not really the song. It's like what it brings up mm -hmm. for you memory wise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pump up music for sure. And I, I don't necessarily use pump up music for law. I actually use calm music for law. I would use like I'm Xavier Rudd yeah. or, um, you know, something along those lines to kind of get in a zone for contract drafting. <laughs> Yeah, I listen to music all day. Uh, it it does dial me in, and mostly it's again more calm stuff. But sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta amp up for the big time. And this is so back to the book. There there were five kind of uh, takeaways that I thought were very good and applicable to our work as well. Um, five being take responsibility. So you know, if you're part of a group or part of a team, you. Um, take full responsibility and accountability for the goal yourself. And so you never abdicate. If the goal is to win a championship or the goal is to finish this project, you constantly are take accountability and responsibility for the thing. Drop all excuses, which I think is related. Stop looking mm -hmm. for secrets or, or tricks or shortcuts. And, just, and then the next one is do the work. And five is push yourself. So take responsibility, drop your excuses, stop looking for secrets or tricks, do the work, push yourself. And that seems like a really good model to follow in our day-to-day -day as well. Definitely. I love how you're so good with summaries. It's just like doing summaries in law school. Just like pull out these uh, My brain is too simple for for anything other, <laughs> other it's than great. a nice high-level summary. I think we should always preface everything we're talking about in this podcast as like, we're on the journey. We are absolutely 
learning. We are students of this process. I am a definitely we are. student. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well. When we ask for this music clearance, we're going to have to say we use it approximately 38 times on a loop. Is that all right? <laughs> uh, anyway, like I said, no one's going to have it not in their head after this podcast. Um, but yeah, I think the idea of leveling up is it's something I think about all the time. For example, there's a quote that is how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting one. And I think about it 10 times a day when I'm about to slack off at something, I think, well, you know, let's not leave that mess there for later. You know, let's just like always kind of be, but it's not, uh, it's not for the purpose of perfectionism. It's the things that I, that I need to get done in a day and the systems that I need. And, you know, in a relationship too, it's not all about what I think. It's like everyone in our house has different things that they need to feel like peace in their day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's something that's a process. And I think once you're committed to the process, what form it takes, I don't know. And what the choices are, you know, there are lots of choices we make that other people wouldn't make. So, um, and I choose not to be, I'm just not in certain things, you know, like there are certain piece, whole pieces of life that other people are very involved in that I'm not involved in so that I have the energy to spend time on the stuff that I've prioritized. So yeah. anyway. Part of part of all this, like I feel like so being truly relentless means you're building habits that become automatic and that is a process then. Um, and then you aren't employing the same effort uh, as others might to get there. Like, yeah, cl- keeping a clean house. If it becomes a habit that you do all the time, um, then it's an automatic thing. So, you know, okay, now's the time of day, you know, our daughter's down. Now I, you know, go through the house for 10 minutes and put everything away. That just becomes something you do. It's not something that you seem exhausted by or seems like a huge task because it becomes a habit. And then that's a process. And that's how your house stays clean or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that is a version. And that leads to relentlessness because then you have that, you know, thing uh, checked off on your box and then you can move on to the next thing. and, And you build, I'm really passionate about building these like super boring, but these types of processes in my life that help me automatically um, perform well, whether that is in the house or at work or what have you. And the only way that you can maintain these processes is by is by being diligent and by being persistent uh, and by making sure your habits maintain, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I would hazard to guess that, you know, these athletes, when you're performing at a high level, it's gym at this day, at this time every day. Um, so then they're not waking up at different times and they're not thinking, oh, well, maybe not today. It's like, no, this is what I do at this time. And then it becomes automatic and it's a process and that allows you to constantly level up, I feel, and, and constantly improve. Whereas if you have this kind of level of chaos and too much decision making, uh, then you are more apt to not be as diligent or relentless or persistent. Well, I think that there could be a drinking game to this podcast with the use of the word relentless. Um, so I'm not going to use it. <laughs> it's hard to keep the thread going. Um, I was going to say the, the thing that I'm struggling with at the moment and, and working through, and it was just something that occurred to me is that sometimes I think things are optional. You know, like I've, like I what? present myself with an option. 
Like, ah, I oh. could have this hamburger or I could order a salad. It's not really optional. Like the, the only reason the hamburger's on the list is because I put it there. Um, and I think once you start to uh, just set some lines around the things you think are important, again, it's specific to each person. Um, but I do really well when I am eating well and exercising. That is my thing. It's probably true for everybody. Um, but I do very poorly if I'm not eating well, not exercising. For me, it's more important than sleep. For some people, sleep will be the number one thing. Um, it just it just depends. But sometimes when I think like, oh, it's just optional if I rake the leaves today or, you know, it, it's whatever. It's the stuff that kind of adds up. And if you keep making everything optional, then you don't get the things done that are really important either. So I don't know. Maybe that's helpful for people because I definitely did not think that until recently. It was only recently where I kind of gave that a term of like, oh, wait a second, that's not optional. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I got to do that. You know, the the other thing too, you know, on this pursuit of being, you know the best version of ourselves and getting all this stuff done and comparing ourselves to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, um, on the performance side, I wouldn't compare myself to them for other reasons, but, uh, <laughs> um, the, the thing that I always try to maintain as well is so you're, you're, you know, you do employ this level of diligence in your life to make sure you're setting your foundation, right. But, and so, yeah, taking hamburger off of the options for lunch, um, is helpful. I always try to make sure that I'm not becoming a, you know, this robot devoid of joy as well. <laughs> so there the need to be times for treats too. And that's what I'm, you know, whether that is, you know, taking useless time for yourself. So, you know, really whatever, if you want to watch that Netflix show, or if you want to eat the hamburger, there should be time like that too. Uh, and we just need to make sure we're, we're finding the right times to do those things. Yeah. Are you, do you agree? Totally agree. And I think it's just defining what actually rejuvenates, right? As opposed, like for me right now, I have really little kids. I spend some pretty quality time at the playground and it's, it is downtime and it's fun and we're playing and it sort of is an outlet that without kids, I might've needed to get from a different source, right? So um, those hours are built into my day. So I don't necessarily at this point need uh, a sort of release that is not, um, not thinking because I've got a lot of non-thinking time in my day at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think whatever it is, it, there is definitely a need for an outlet. Um, and I just, for me, I need it to be an outlet that brings me up. It's like energy positive, mm -hmm. um, whatever that is. And sometimes that can be a really great Netflix documentary or Netflix show, uh, or it can be, uh, I used to love Archie comics when I was a kid and there is a Netflix show that is a, Oh, don't get me started. Why do you watch this show or do you think it's terrible? Riverdale? We, yeah, we got we to gotta have so many opinions about Riverdale. It is the best worst show I've ever seen in my life. I totally it's agree. The, it is. Best I, worst. Honestly, we can't even start talking about this because I have so many strong opinions. Maybe for our goods and gripes, we'll do it. But um, okay. can I just, can, should we wrap up our book club? I will wrap it up with a quote. And I think this sums up what we're talking about. He says, the greatest battles you will ever fight are with yourself. And you must always be your toughest opponent. Always demand more of yourself than others demand of you. Be honest with yourself and you'll be able to meet every challenge with confidence and the deep belief that you're prepared for anything. Life can be complicated. The truth is not. I love that. Wow. 
I love it. And the reason is it doesn't say be the best lawyer, work the hardest, do the longest hours. It says demand more of yourself than others demand of you. And so, and know what you're supposed to be working on, you know, be honest. And I think that it would be dishonest to be plowing away at work that you don't like doing, or you're not, you don't feel you're the best place to do. Um, and so that's what I take from this. I think it's, it's be relentless in pushing yourself to be your best version and not the version that people sell to you as like what it means to be the best lawyer. Nice. Okay. I think that wraps our first installment of the Book Club. And this is something we're going to be doing on a monthly basis. So um, once a month, we will pop in with a review and discussion about a book that we're reading that we think is uh, worthy of just of, you know, kind of you know speaking to you all about. So thanks for joining us on that effort. Uh, we are going to be right back with our goods and gripes after this. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Inter Alia Law, experienced legal counsel when and where you need us. To learn more about Inter Alia, visit the website at spelled I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. Thank you. Oh had to do it again. Okay, we are relentlessly talking about our goods and gripes on every episode. Goods are things that we want to promote and support. Uh, gripes are things that annoy us. Do you have a good Darlene? Other than uh, Riverdale? Good slash gripe. Riverdale. Um, <laughs> it's good. a giddy gripey. I have a good and a gripe. I'm getting into this gripe thing. I'm throughout the week noticing Gripes. I know. I don't know if this is a positive or a negative in my life, but yes, I have a gripe and I have a good. So I'll start with the good. Okay. Programmed playlists on music streaming services. Good. Particularly when they are sort of for, there's one I listen to uh, Apple Music and there's one called For You and it's based on what I listen to most. So it's when I play that, that mix, it's a little lockdown memory lane because there's no time limit. So a song that I used to play a lot will be in the list and then a time that I recently have played a lot will be in the list. And it's uh, it's funny to see what Apple knows about me, like mm. that I've been listening to Fast Car by Tracy Chapman a fair bit lately. <laughs> I never had played that before, but I have played it several times lately. And there it is on this like for you list. You know, I, I, I once that. attended a party where for I think pretty much the whole night we only listened to Fast Car and the different versions of people. <laughs> Why? Because there was a big fan there I, of that I don't song? Know. I, we just did. <laughs> oh, it's know. a really good song. It's it so was really good. fun. Yeah. Also, oh, it good. knows to edit out the kids' music. So I'm relieved always when like the ants go marching in is not in my For You playlist. Um, my gripe is uh, doing some back-to-school shopping for my son. My gripe is online. Fake prices. Fake sales. Oh, and I, there's sort of a lawyerly angle to this because there yeah. are laws about ordinary sale prices and things like that. And I, I just, I feel like kind of a, I don't know, like a Pavlovian response to buy these things that are on sale 40% off. But the truth is that's the regular price, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like the other times they are, you're paying more than regular price to buy 
something. It's not that it's on sale. It's that actually at that store, 40% off is the normal price. And if you buy something at full price or 25% off, you are overpaying. Anyway, that, that bugs me. That's a and great, great darling. Yeah, it's funny because I asked about it at a lawyer conference. Um, there, a person was there from the Competition Bureau, and I actually asked if they were going to crack down on that somehow or change the law to uh, to be more clear about you know because the point of this is like you're not supposed to attract people with the word sale when it's not a sale. That's yeah, you point. can't artificially inflate your prices just to decrease them. Yeah, or they've never been that price; they're always the decrease price. And then the other thing is those outlet malls, that would be my a related gripe, which I also asked about under the guise of having questions about law. Yeah, these <laughs> are great. A, these are very good questions. Why can you have an outlet mall that sells stuff that you would never be able to find in the real store and then say it's cheaper when really it's actually a more expensive version of crappy stuff? Anyway, yes, we could do a whole episode on that that no one would want to listen to. So that's my gripe. And not even socially. listen to it. This is a lawyer uh, podcast. I have some uh, some good friends that that work in that sort of space uh, that are very articulate and entertaining people. Oh, okay. Well, put it on our list. What's your good and gripe? <laughs> um, okay, my I'll start with the gripe because we're on the gripe train. And speaking of trains, this is train related. So, uh, kind of, I my gripe is this: losing something and then taking the steps to replace the thing. And then finding the thing you originally lost. Okay. That is gripey central. I thought I lost my transit card that allows me to commute on the train. Made all the calls, said I lost it, got the replacement thing in the mail. Then I found my card again. Very gripe-worthy instance. Um, And and then as well, uh, that I found it as I was trapped on a train for three hours because the engine didn't work, which was gripey, but I Mm -hmm. won't even go there. Um, That's like the... Yeah, it's its own thing. Good. Here's a good thing. Thanksgiving. Isn't that good? Canadian Thanksgiving. I'm sure American Thanksgiving as well is also good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a time to be with people and give thanks and fall is here and, and goodness gracious. How wonderful is that? Interesting fact, darling. First Thanksgiving. Um, you know, a lot of people think about, you know, uh, what, whatever, you know, settlers coming in. But originally, indigenous people in North America always did a harvest sort of celebration. So we should acknowledge that. Uh, but the first Europeans that had Thanksgiving in North America was certain Sir Martin Frobisher and his crew in the Eastern Arctic in 1578. Hmm. They ate a meal of salt beef, biscuits, and mushy peas to celebrate and give thanks for their safe arrival in Newfoundland. So how about that? That's awesome. <laughs> Minus the mushy peas, that's never awesome. But yes. It's all I'm gonna eat or yeah, from now on. Salt, beef, biscuits, and mushy peas. Ack. I'm starting a new diet. <laughs> it's the fifteen seventy-eight uh settler diet. Anyway, right, um good. yeah, well, so Thanksgiving, what a wonderful thing. That's what's it on is. my mind. It's great. Very uh, and good. Listening and watching anything other than Riverdale? Uh, I am not yet watching Riverdale because the new season does not start until October 11th and I am caught up. So it is the only show that I have watched in the last uh, couple of years, the only sort of ongoing serialized show. Um, And it definitely falls into the camp of when I'm doing it, I feel that my time could be used in uh, a better way. (laughs) 
(laughs) But, you know, it's, uh, as you said, it's sort of my, my main media based uh, escape. Um, And I did love Archie comics when I was a kid. I had hundreds of Archie comics. So it's not, uh, it's not like a new, a new interest of mine. I really, I think Archie was very fun as a kid. I grew up in a small town. I don't know. Maybe Archie was uh, not that fun, but seemed fun to me at the time. No, I know people that are big Archie people. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. good. Okay. Um, so that does it for our first ever book club. Book club. Yeah. And uh hope that went fine. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we will be back next week. Okay. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.